Hey, I'm Spencer Powell and welcome to Remodeler Stories, where we highlight remodelers. Every remodeler has a unique story and journey and we can all learn from each other. Stay tuned for a mix of inspiration, tactical tips, unique strategies, and some laughter. The remodeling business is tough, but rewarding, and we're all in this together. Let's kick this thing off. Before we get into today's show, let's talk about our show sponsor, Remodeler Growth Community. Remodeler Growth Community is a peer-to-peer networking group exclusively for remodelers. For a low monthly fee, you get access to some of the best minds in the industry, life-changing business strategies, and the ability to connect and learn from people who've walked the path you walk. Go to remodelercommunity.com to enroll today. 100% satisfaction guaranteed or your money back, so there's absolutely no risk to you. Go to remodelercommunity.com to enroll today. Today, I sit down with Joe Simpson of JDS Construction Services. When you choose JDS Construction, you can rest assured your home is in the hands of an expert remodeling contractor in the Fairfax, Arlington area. From start to finish, you'll work with one contractor to complete every aspect of your project, including permitting. You can trust JDS to exceed your expectations with customer service, and no job is done until you're 100% satisfied with their work. Now for my conversation with Joe Simpson. Hey, Joe, welcome to the show. Hey, man. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. Glad to have you here. And uh, maybe just give everyone a little context. Who are you? What's the company and where are you located? Okay. Hey, I'm Joe Simpson, JDS Construction Services, and we're located in Fairfax, which is really the DC metro area. And we serve Arlington, Alexandria, Falls Church, kind of that whole zone. What kinds of projects are you guys working on? Well, you know, I'm mostly remodeling and in that I'm talking bathrooms, kitchens, but I do a lot of additions. I've, I've kind of locked into a Arlington Falls Church market here in the last three to four years with a lot of these older homes and doing some additions and, and building pop tops, little second story add-ons or on the back, something like that. Sweet. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, where, where did this all begin? Let's rewind the clock. Did you start the company and, and when was it? Yeah, yeah. I have kind of a a path that leads me directly to construction remodeling. I, I went to Radford University out of high school, met my wife, got married, moved to Fairfax, went to work for Ryan Homes, hmm. which is a Pittsburgh-based company. Really got my footing there. But prior, even prior to college, I, I worked summers with my brother-in-law doing construction. So hands-on stuff back then. And then I moved over after college to the builder. And I was a superintendent for a few years and I was kind of tracking for their management line, which was you'd go like production superintendent, then you'd go costing, which they called a SAM, special assignments manager, which was the the catch-all, do everything position (laughs) in the office. And then after that, it would be sales and then sales manager or production manager. And then after about five or six years with Ryan, I decided to move companies to a company called Syntex Homes. They were around for quite a while, then they got bought out by Pulte. Um, hmm. But I had the heyday with Syntex was I was selling homes in the late 90s, early 2000s. So right on. That, that was what basically I was order taking back then. Yeah. And then 2008 came along. And yeah, put, what happened there? Yeah. <laughs> put a damper on everything. Well, you know, all my investments were real estate. My home sales, you know, was all real estate related. Most of my stock was real estate related. So I got the wake up call that you shouldn't put all your eggs in a basket. So I divested a little bit my investments. I had some money saved and I always wanted to do something on my own. So I started my business, JDS Construction, with a focus on commercial, believe it or not, when I first started. Gotcha. And uh, yeah, why did you decide to go that route of commercial? 
Well, at the time, I think, you know, in 08, the residential housing market and the, the residential housing loans were failing. And that kind of wasn't a great place to be in terms of new homes. And my friend was starting a restaurant. So he's like, hey, mm-hmm. do you want to be my contractor? And so I got my license. My first job was a Foster's Grill, which is a burger joint out here in DC. And I built that Ashburn. And I did the second one. Then I, I parlayed that into a third one. And it looked like I was going to be a commercial tenant fit out guy. And all of a sudden, the market caught up to commercial and that tanked as well. So I couldn't, I couldn't get away from it. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then as I sat quietly at home a few, few months, you know, trying to figure out what I was going to do for the rest of my life, all of a sudden, I'd get a call from a neighbor, you know, hey, can you remodel my bathroom? And I'm like, oh, I don't want to do this, you know, because I didn't really want to do that aspect of the work. But then I started running the numbers and looking at the margins. And I'm like, you know, money's money. So I started doing uh, remodeling in my, my own neighborhood. I did like for probably two years, I was like shorts, flip-flop, t-shirt, and I'd ride around the block <laughs> running all my jobs and stuff. So it was kind of cool. That's awesome. <laughs> so why do you think you got that call from somebody asking if you wanted to do the bathroom? Like, is that something that they just knew you had a skill for it? And they like, yeah, it's, think, it's so I interesting think... to me that like a moment like that can set you on a path, you know? <laughs> I, it's crazy. I think it's just, you know, I talked to somebody who talked to somebody and re- really my whole business has been referral based. I do a horrible job marketing. You know, it's probably not what you want to hear on this podcast, but Sorry. the reality is I do a horrible job with self-marketing and promotion. And I was probably at a Christmas party and somebody overheard me talking and they thought, well, maybe Joe will do it, you know? And they gave me a call and I thought, why not? And so, you know, I learned, learned the ropes basically in my backyard, you know, of all the housing and remodeling. And then, then I got a referral finally up in Arlington for some bigger work. And that's when it started to really lock in because I think I was the value guy in Arlington. Mm. In our area, Arlington's like a very expensive area to live in. So the remodeling costs follow suit there. And I think me being in Fairfax, kind of in a more reduced margin coming to Arlington, you know, maybe I was a little too low to begin with, but it kind of helped me nudge my way in there. So those first couple of years that you said you were mostly like work in your neighborhood, what was the biggest surprise of starting your own business versus like coming out of, you know, working for the builders prior? The hardest thing I think was turning things over quickly. I think that was my biggest struggle. I soon realized, you know, like with a bathroom, I think the bathrooms are almost the hardest. Kitchens, you can get a, get the walls, get the electrical, get everything ready. And then when the cabinets hit, it's like cabinets go up, everything hits, the granite goes in and you're tightening down fixtures and really touching up paint, backsplash, getting out of there. Whereas a bathroom, it's like, you're almost building a whole house in a bathroom. <laughs> you know, you go all the way down to the drywall, you put in the tubs, you put in the infrastructure behind the walls, you got to tile it, you got to set a vanity and it's just, it takes forever. And then you got to wait on the glass door at the end of the shower. It's a lengthy process. And I think the biggest surprise I realized was how right my company was that I worked for Ryan when they used to just beat into our heads. It's all about asset turn. You got to turn it over. You got to turn it over. The quicker you get finished with the job, the quicker you can put that money to something else. And that's so true. If you let a job drag on, you end up not making any money. Yeah. Oh, that's a good, good lesson. Yeah. So I guess as you navigated through the next few years, you said you started working up into Arlington. I think you said it was like, did you? try to get away from bathrooms or did you always kind of, you know, I always, it's funny. I vacillate and it seems like every year I I go in and out of two modes. The first mode is, you know, I'm tired of these big additions. They swallow me up. They keep me busy for so long. I'm tied up. All my resources are there. I just want to do these onesie twosie baths and do something easy that I can do in like 10 days to 15 days. 
And then after I do bathrooms for three months, I'm like, I just want a big job, something to bite into, you know, to get my teeth <laughs> into. So it really, it really can vacillate. I don't know that I went to Arlington for any other reason that I just got the opportunities to start doing those jobs. So sounds like you like a mix kind of. Yeah. I, I do. I kind of like a mix and it kind of runs in seasons. It's really weird how seasonal this stuff is. You wouldn't think so, but you know, around fall when the kids get back in school, right after the kids get back in school, it's like, okay, let's do that project. Let's go. Yep. Knock uh, it out before the holidays. (laughs) That's right. That's right. (laughs) No, that's cool. Well, thinking about like the first five years, what do you think were like one or two of the biggest challenges that you had to overcome? Cash flow. Hmm. That's the number one. Because, you know, you go from getting a deposit for your money every two weeks with a company to now you don't. And it literally can come down to, and I think, you know, I, you hear all the stories, you, you kind of brush it off like, ah, oh, it doesn't apply to me. People say, ah, oh, if you can survive seven years, you'll make it, or 10 years, you'll make it. And it's so true, length of time, you start to callous to the, I think, the ups and downs. And the first thing I kind of learned was look, sometimes you're going to finish a job. You know you're going to get a draw for $20,000, but it's not here today. And you have a mortgage that's due on Monday. So there's only two things you can do between now and Monday to get money. You can sign on new work and get a deposit, or you can finish this work and get the rest of the money. But if there's something that's keeping you from finishing the work, you may not have a choice. So you'd get in these situations where you don't have any new work coming in. You're not able to finish the work, draw the money to pay your bills. You're like, what do I do? Well, that's where you have to go and you have to like get an equity line or some type of business line. And I think that's important. It's it takes discipline to have that line, but it can save your keister because, you know, and it just takes the stress off because you can say, okay, well, I know I'm getting a check next Friday. I'm just going to use three or four grand from the equity line, pay some payroll, pay my mortgage. And then next week I'll replenish and pay back the equity line. So my biggest lesson, I think, first off was or or trouble you know that I got into first off was the cash flow aspect once you get that done you're good and then the other one is just like hiring good people hiring well that's hard to do you know it it's is. harder than you think yeah what are like follow up on that you know what are some things that you learned in trying to find good people you know I don't know if I have the answer for that even today because that's still the ongoing struggle I think it's take your best guy and ask him if he has friends you know, that's one of the things you can do. My best guy, I ask him all the time, hey, do you have a plumber? Do you have an electrician buddy that you know? I want to talk to him, you know, because I'm in that zone of construction where I just don't go out and hire the plumbing company to do my plumbing. And I don't hire, you know, Metcalf HVAC to do my HVAC because they're just too expensive. So if I hired large scale subcontractors to do my work, and it might be different if I was building homes because I could probably build in more profit. But on these smaller jobs, you really need the guy that does the yeah. work. And so that's the hard thing to find is the reliable guy because they're either the guy for one of two reasons, either they like their independence and they're still a good quality worker or there's a reason they're the guy. You know, they're not working for the big company or something, you know. So, yeah, yeah I think asking the people that work for you if they have referrals that you could use and you just have to kind of watch them and pay attention to how they act. Their character means everything, you know, their punctuality, you'll know right away when you get a good one or a bad one. The guy that beats you to the job, the guy that's there with all the stuff, the guy that's kind of making you get the job ready for him because he's not happy with what he's starting with. He'll tell you like, hey, this needs to be like this. You're going, oh, this, this guy might be a good guy. you know. So nice. Not that I want him to do my job for me, but sometimes they, they put you in check. That's good. Yeah. You can tell they have some standards and that's what you want. Yeah. Yeah. 
Hey guys, I know that if you listen to Builder Funnel Radio, you are hyper aware of the fact that the way people shop and buy, it's changed dramatically over the years. And for the last 10 years, really since I started doing all this, helping my uncle's remodeling division scale up from about 2 million to 10 million, We've been helping remodelers and builders and contractors all over the country really refine their marketing systems. And I recently decided to kind of bottle all of that up into my first book. And that book is called The Remodeler Marketing Blueprint. And you can pick up a copy by going to the website, remodelermarketingblueprint.com. You can also search for it on Amazon or wherever books are sold online. But I highly recommend you go over to the website because we've got some cool book bonuses that go along with that if you pick up a few extra copies for your friends and colleagues or your teammates. So it would mean a lot to me if you've been listening to this podcast for a while or even just a few episodes, if you've ever gotten any value out of it, head over to remodelermarketingblueprint.com and snag your copy today. All right, let's get back to the show. Well, have you had any like crazy projects or or weird projects or wild client stories, anything you can share? Yeah, I mean, can it be bad? I mean, it's not going to be like horrible, bad. I'm all, I'm all, oh, yeah. You know, I mean, that's yeah. what we're looking for. Yeah. All right. This the, is the one of my favorite stuff. stories of all time. Like, I normally don't have a problem collecting final payments from anyone ever. Money is usually not my biggest deal with people. I try to make it not be the center of attention. Like, let's focus on getting it done, getting it done quick, keeping your house clean, keeping you happy. You know, us getting along because if I leave and we hate each other, then I'm not going to want to come back and service. So let's let's keep it peaceful and happy. So I had this client. They wanted me to finish the first floor of their hardwood along with the project. And I said, no problem. So I said, just one thing. I noticed you have really nice curtains up in the front. Please take them down before I do the floor because I'm going to create dust and I don't want to get them dusty and have responsibility there. Okay, no problem. No problem. So... I called them up. I tried to verify. They didn't answer. They went away on vacation. It's time for me to do the work. You know, you got your guys scheduled. You got the floors ready. The furniture's moved, and the and the curtains are still there. So I'm like, ah, oh, what do I do? You know, because I really don't want to touch them because they're yeah. nice. And so my guy says, Joe, we do this all the time, and they have this technique where they take this plastic and kind of wrap in and around behind it, and they kind of, you know, fold up the bottoms. And then they knot off the bottom of the plastic and they hold it up off the ground three feet and it's completely encapsulated and sealed. So I said, you know, I told them to move it. They didn't. Let's do the best we can. I'm sure this is going to work fine. Let's go ahead and do this. And then I took them down. I, I dusted off the curtains when we were done and I put them back, but I took pictures of everything that I did to prove that I covered them. Yeah. So they came back. They owed me like eight grand, something like that on the final payment. And they came back and you know the, the husband called and he says, you know, my wife's upset. And I said, why is that? Well, you weren't supposed to finish the floors with the curtains up. And now she wants all the curtains professionally clean. And I said, you know, I said, we talked about it and you guys are supposed to take those off. And I said, but I did cover them. Here's the photos. I did a great job covering them. I assure you they're clean. I'm happy to come over and look at them with you. Nope, nope. You're going to have to talk to her. I said, okay. <laughs> I talked to her and I said, you know, sorry, but I'm not going to bend on this one. I told you to move them. Please remit final payment. I'm going to come over this week and pick it up. She said, fine. As soon as you put the, the shutters on the addition, like you're supposed to. And I'm like, shutters? So I looked at the plan. There's no shutter. It's like a one window addition. So it kind of made sense not to have a shutter. Yeah. And it wasn't on the plan. And I said, you know, no problem. I'll put a sh- pair of shutters on there for you if you want it. So 
I get a raised panel shutter and I come over and I put it on. Looks great, painted. I said, okay, we're done. And she walks over to the shutter and she goes, this shutter doesn't look exactly like the other shutters. So she has like uh, four pairs of shutters on her house uh, and they have like a little OG cut that's just slightly different, but it's the difference of 1980 and 2005, you know? So I'm going... You know, we may not find this shutter exactly, I said, but I think from, you know, street drive up appearance, it's, it's the same. And she said, nope, it's not the same. And I'm not paying until it's the same. So I said, all right. So I get on Amazon and I'm looking, I order like three pairs to see if I get lucky. And they come, of course, they're all different. You know, uh. every time I bring one over, she's not happy with it. And I'm like, she's just grinding me because she's mad about her, her curtains, you know? Yeah. And I said, and I'm never going to find the shutter that matches. So how do I do this? So one day she was going to work and I called my painter and I said, hey, I have five pairs of shutters. I said, I need you to come over and paint those today before noon. And so I take the, the new shot. I take all of her shutters off her house. I put all brand new shutters up and paint them all the same colors that they were. And then I texted her and I said, I got lucky. I found the right shutter. I said, they're all perfect. You know, please bring your check when you come home today. And she goes, well, we'll see. I said, okay. So I met her over at the job. We must have walked back and forth from the one shutter to the other shutter like three or four times before she was like, huh, I don't know how you did it. Fine. And she like walked in and got the money. <laughs> I was like, because I knew if I told her I had put on new shutters, she'll say, oh, I don't like those or yeah, something. You totally. Know, they're not the originals. But it's just... I'm thinking in my head, like, why? Why are we even doing this? You know, what's yeah. the, if she would have just said, you know, I wish you to clean, you know, I want you to dry clean the, the curtains. I would have said, how about I give you 300 bucks and we'll call it a day, you know, or something totally. like that. That's one of the funnier stories, but yeah. Oh man, that's pretty good. Yeah. And it is interesting what people like attach themselves onto, or they like, oh, well, I'm not happy about this. So I'm going to just totally run in this other direction. <laughs> I, I know, I know. And it's so obvious. It's almost like, you know, they're literally nanny, nanny, boo-boo type stuff. And you're, you're going, really? We're like 55 and you're 60 and we're having this, this debate. And it's just crazy. But it's <laughs> how it goes, man. It's how oh, it goes. Man, that's a good one. I like that. Well, what's been maybe one of the more fun or rewarding parts of running your own business? Freedom of time and flexibility and scheduling. Like the ability to sit down and do this. In another job, I wouldn't be able to. It's definitely not for a weak-stomached person. Like I get a lot of my neighbors will be doing the old walk around the neighborhood doing the, the trick-or-treat. And they're like, so let me get this straight. You just hire guys to do work and you make enough money not to go to work. And you're going, well, you're kind of simplifying it. You're yeah, really leaving some nuance out there. <laughs> <laughs> they're, like, they're like, yeah, I want to do what you do. I'm like, no, you don't. You really don't. <laughs> I promise. And it's not that it's bad. It's just, uh, it's trying. It's, it's nerve wracking. Sometimes you, you wonder, like, am I, sometimes you don't feel like you're living up to your full potential, maybe. Like, oh, maybe I should have been an engineer or done computer engineering. And, but when the day is done, you have to come home, be happy in your own skin. You have to be happy with what you have and you have to be with your family. And when I was selling homes, Saturday, Sunday till seven o'clock every weekend, uh, I got one weekend a month off. I would go into work at 10 o'clock every day, come home at 7, 38 o'clock every day. I hated the hours. It was horrible. Made tons, way more. I made more money in those years. I'm, I probably wouldn't now, but I made more money in those years than I ever made in the first 10 or 15 years of doing this. And I would never trade it. I would have taken a 50% pay cut just to not have to do weekends because I missed every soccer game, every birthday, every, you know, so... I think the freedom of time is 
invaluable. And I do love working with people. You know, that's one thing from sales I knew I liked. And the gift I have, I think, that made it possible for me to parlay my business experience into my own business, you know, my previous work experience was the ability to bring closure to projects is like bringing it home. That's where I think most contractors fail the most is they don't finish. The finish is the only thing that counts. Yeah. Anything can happen in the middle. But if you don't bring it home and spit shine everything and make the floors perfect, the walls look good and everything smells good, that's the difference, I think. And yeah. I tell people, you know, there's phases we're going to go through when we do this process. It's going to be exciting at first and look like everything's happening fast. And then it's going to kind of feel kind of muddled and slow and weird and what's going on and where's Joe lately? And that's, that's the phases of like your framing, your, your rough ends, your inspections, your insulation, your drywall. It's like, when are we going to be done with this thing? And it's getting dirty in here. But then when you turn the corner, you set cabinets, you get granite, and you start doing things and you start getting closer and closer and their lists get more picky. You know, it's like, oh, a, a little yep. nick over here, a little ding over there. And I'm like, yeah, it beats that big hole in the wall in the middle of the winter, doesn't it? You know? <laughs> and so, it, you know, being able to really bring it home, I think is, is a key. Yeah, that's cool. I like that. Yeah, those are, those are good. And I'm curious too, you said, you know, obviously being in business for yourself isn't for everybody and you got to have a strong stomach. Do you still feel that way today or has it lessened at all? Or do you oh, still you mean have... like my nerves? Like yeah. about the business? No, I, I mean, I feel pretty confident. Like I don't worry about the next job when there's no next job because I just know it's around the corner. And you got to realize like there's levels that you want to work to. Now I could have hired eight guys. I could have hired, you know, picked up more work and stayed really busy and, and tried to, you know, that's my friend. He's a business analyst and he's always like, why don't you just grow your business? Just grow it so big and then sell it. And I said, you know, look, I'm 53. I'm looking at maybe retiring at 60. I have things in place from before, you know, my my retirement stuff. And I'm not really geared or wired like that. And not everybody has to be. You know, some people think, oh, if I'm not as good as the next guy or as big as the next guy, that I'm not successful. I think success is measured in so many different ways. You have to just do what's right for you. And most important to me was being with the family and spending time with my kids. I have four kids hitting college. I don't want to miss a minute of it. So I don't want to bury myself in work and not see them because my time's limited. So I like moving them in. I like taking the days off needed to go do stuff with them. I like going to every college experience thing I can. So, you know, it's just one of those things where I like having my own business because I can throttle exactly how I want it to be. Now you don't have full control always, but you know, it's one of those things that you can kind of jockey back and forth as you need to and, and make it work for you. So yeah. I don't know if it was a little too weird or fluffy, but it's kind of my take on it anyway. Yeah. I think there's a lot of truth to that. You know, like that is one of the perks. It comes with its risks of having your own business is that you can decide, right? You can decide if you right. want to say, yep, I want to put my foot on the gas and go, go, go. Or I Hey, actually, this kind of balance for me works for my life, you know, and that's that's a choice right. we get to make. So I tend to agree with that. Well, a couple of questions, Joe, to to wrap us up. I guess, what do you think are like one or two really big challenges that the industry is facing right now that we all need to be thinking about and working on solving? From what aspect? Just any or from yeah, anything that you're seeing. It could be you know things that like as business owners we're really facing some big challenges, or just that like things the industry needs to change to serve the customer better, just anything that's coming to mind that you're kind of seeing. I think the supply chain stuff was kind of a COVID-related temporary, at least I hope it's temporary type of thing. 
But what I guess, you know, some of the biggest challenges that I see is for me, is just making sure that when I deal with people, their expectations are in check. Because I think a lot of times people in today's world are dealing with uh, the online aspect of everything. I think the biggest challenge is keeping that ground contact, that personal connection, and keeping people in tune to the fact that, like, look, you, you know, this is still a grassroots kind of business. It's, it's a, a hands-on. And some things are just always going to be that way. And I think one of the biggest challenges is trying not to take something like this and streamline it to the point where it's just pert and CPM charts and a bunch of schedules and a bunch of stuff. Because it all sounds great in jest. But when it doesn't work, that's when guys like you and me matter. And we bring it home and keep people happy and keep the workers working and things like that. So yeah, I don't, I don't, that was a great, clear answer. But you know, it's just one of the things that I see a lot. Yeah, no, that's great. And and yeah, my final question is just if you could pass along like some words of wisdom or a final piece of advice to other remodeling business owners, what would you want to leave them with? I think the most important thing is to actually put yourself in the person's shoes you're working for. When you have a house torn apart or a roof halfway off or gutters taken down and you get a thunderstorm and they call you and say they've got water in their basement, you got to be that person willing to just get up and go help them fix it you know, on the spot. You have to just keep that empathy and sympathy with, with people because if you don't, you're just going to be that contractor guy you know, that everybody has that problem with or that issue with. So I think really tuning into what people, how people feel about things and trying to recognize that is, is crucially important. And then the second piece of advice is don't think if you start your business like, hey, I'm going to get things rolling. Everybody's going to work for me. And then I'm going to get my boat and I'm going to go fish you know, and have fun. <laughs> I'll just answer phone calls. No way, man. When you start your own business, be prepared to work way harder than you worked when you worked at any company or any office job. Because it's just, you got to be in the car a lot. It doesn't mean you have to shovel dirt and rocks. I'm just saying, you're going to be driving around a lot. You're going to come in at five and have to make that phone call that lasts an hour at the end of the day, or you're going to have to call in those three inspections at 8.30 at night you forgot about. There's always just something. And one thing that I do is I, I have my phone on all the time, you know, because I have people that could legitimately have emergencies and I don't want to be the guy who's not available. So I, I think you just have to be empathetic, sympathetic, and be ready to engage heavily. That would be yeah. Biggest thing of advice. Yeah. Yeah. That's good advice. Yeah. Joe, I really appreciate you sharing your time and, and your story with me today. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks for tuning in to Remodeler Stories. Don't forget to subscribe to the show and leave us a review. Every month, we pick a winner and send out a free copy of my book, The Remodeler Marketing Blueprint. Just leave a review over on iTunes to enter to win. See you next time.